Welcome to the Podcock Peacast. I'm your host, the only Tyler Peacock. The other night on the show, Luke, Pat, Alex Wallace, I thank those guys for taking the time out to do a uh, podcast. We did a Daytona 500 preview and an NBA All-Star Weekend preview. Talked a little AFL. But as a gearhead, I think that the Daytona 500 needs a more thorough and proper preview podcast. So I have recruited one of my best friends, uh, huge gearhead, motorsports fan. We go to races together all the time. Front Row Jail is going to join me here on the program, here on the Podcock PCAST. We're going to recap the duels. We're going to preview the Day 10 to 500, give you what to watch for. Maybe give out some gambling advice, some daily fantasy advice. Pick a winner. Get you ready for Sunday's 61st running of the Daytona 500, the Great American Race. So he's about to join me. We're going to do it for my car. We're just going to cruise around, talk race, and like we normally do, it's just my phone's going to be recording. So if you hear any audible noise, um, that's why. So I guess you could fuck off if you have a problem with that. Or you can just be like, oh, it's kind of a cool idea because they're talking about race cars while in a car. You get it. Anyway, Front Row Joe and the only Tyler Peacock here on the Podcock PCAST. Daytona 500 Preview coming to you now. Welcome back, uh, Front Row Joe. Say hello to the pod people. How's it going, pod people? Yeah. Anyway, Daytona 500, like I said in the intro, that's what this episode's going to be. We might get to something uh, not so serious at the end of this fucking thing, but we're in a car. Obviously, you're probably going to hear some ambient noise, but uh, speaking of cars, professional segue there. Joe, just your uh, your overall thoughts on uh, both duels last night. Uh, They were all right. Um, Not too bad. You didn't see really a whole lot of action with them. Uh, Basically, I don't see them being very relevant. I mean, you, you can see a couple moves here and there, but everybody's just trying to get their spot. There's only really a couple guys that are battling for their way into the Daytona 500, so that's pretty much my overall thought on that. Yeah, Kevin Harvick took home the win in uh, Duel 1. Actually, I thought uh, his crew got him the win. They go to pit lane. Uh, he had to make a fuel stop just outside of the uh, – out. the distance is a little bit longer than a fuel uh, window at Daytona. They come in three seconds exactly. Enough yeah. fuel, enough fuel. I thought that was a stroke of genius. But I will say this: the young kid in the 24 machine for Hendrick Motorsport, Byron, he leads the first half of the race. He looked strong now, and then he fell back smartly because, like help. you said, yeah, yeah, no help and nothing really. The game just finished the race. Yeah. Uh, what's your Jimmy take? He hit Kyle Busch two uh, straight races. He hit somebody on the racetrack. I kind of watched the Menard incident over and over again if you look at how these cars are running on the racetrack now i mean they are precision to a t you get out of line one little bit i mean it's handable on a very very small scale but uh, you could also make the claim that menard maybe came down a little bit or just mother nature itself made it happen you're carrying a lot of ass here at this point there's a lot of things happening and within a second it's happening you're running 200 miles an hour on one of the fastest super speedways on the NASCAR circuit. Um, more Jimmy, if you ask me. But he's a lot of these guys are testing the waters out there. They're trying to see what they can and can't do yeah. to make a pass. 
Yeah, Duel 2, uh, again, another kind of uneventful follow the leader, patience. Um, early on, again, another Hendrick car, Bowman, he led the first little bit. After the pit stop cycle, Boyer's out in front. And he has a gaggle, Ford's behind him. Uh, what else happened in Duel 2? Oh, the longest crank it up ever. Eight laps. I thought something happened to the broadcast bit, and they just kept it on air. And then Mike Joy comes on. He's like, "Yeah, we were still here. Just wanted to give you a little extra crank it up. I thought that was weird. Like it, like it, but it, crank it up. Yeah, it's still it's cool. Yeah. Maybe not that long, but it's still one of the cooler things on sports television. For sure. Uh, but then uh, Lagana just pulls his dick out. Last lap pass comes from fourth to the win. Gets a little side draft on Blaney. Uh, Boyer's spotter, kind of his fuck up. He could have said, hey, block, but I mean, it happens like that, so that's kind of a judgment call. But uh, Lagana takes him duel two. Your thoughts? Um, you're going to see a lot of guys. Your Laganas, your Clint Boyers, I mean, they definitely are all going to have chances. There could be some young guns that have a chance to run up front. I think you might see that just as long as everybody stays clean. Majority of people, that's not going to happen here. I see that not happening at all. Um, but overall, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be, you're going to see a guy who's been there and done it before. I think that's who you're going to see up front at the end of the race. Right. Well, okay. You said you listen. Let's move on. That's the dual recap. You said uh, you listened to the show, and we kind of previewed the 500, but uh, didn't really. So this is going to be a proper 500. But you did want to touch on, like, the topic we touched on earlier with NASCAR as a whole, how to right. maybe improve it, what to do if you're in charge. Right. So just throw out an idea or two you have off the top of your head or what you've been thinking about. As a whole, I'm a NASCAR fan. I'm a racing fan in general. I don't care what we're racing. I'm going to watch NASCAR. That could change absolutely nothing, and that's fine with me. I could care less. But they need to do something. You can obviously see that they're bleeding. I mean, they're not really bad, but... but the popularity's yeah, down. Right. They're losing popularity. I kind of came up with something. Uh, a lot of people's wanting to see some older tracks. I mean, tracks like North Wilkesboro, not in the greatest shape, not up to safety snuff, so you should say, but... You know, uh, like The Rock, even out of Bristol in there. Just take away from these two-mile tracks. I mean, you were seeing these cars. They're basically machined to a T. They get out in clean air, and that's the end of it. That's all she wrote. Maybe five laps to go, you'll get a caution out of nowhere that'll bring everybody back together for a green-white checker. That's pretty much what you see on a basis here. But, um... Well... I, you know, I had a, I had an idea. Well, I, I, I expressed my opinions on it, uh, <coughs> the other show, excuse you, but <laughs> I think NASCAR <coughs> would, it, it would, it would help the fans of NASCAR, the guys like you and me. Okay, sorry about that. <clears throat> just, just keep it one, just, just make everything right. on their own day. Right. Friday, the truck race. Practice, qualify, truck race. Friday is the trucks. Saturday, Xfinity, whatever the hell we're calling it now. Practice, qualify, race. If you want to do some uh, qualifying races or heat races, as us dirt fans know it as, right. that's all fine and dandy. Cup, have them do Sunday. One ticket for one day, get you in. Probably going to be more affordable. Get to see a crap ton of action. You're there all morning, all day, and maybe even all night, depending on 
when the race time starts and stuff like that, I'm sure NASCAR has people that can schedule these things out and make it boom, 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 just like a dirt racer. I'm constantly seeing action. You know, maybe they have to go out there and clean up the track a little bit, but hey, quick little intermission like the local short tracks you go to. I think that gets the sport back to kind of its grassroots uh, ways it came from. And I think it just streamlines it and it makes the product more efficient and it makes it better for us, the race fans. Because that's who NASCAR, and I think you would agree with this, Joe. NASCAR needs to focus on the fans it does have. We're right. trying to go in the different markets, exactly. in different age brackets, and trying to get millennials and shit like that. Just fucking give us the product, exactly. make it good for us, and if more people come, cool. If not, guess what? You're going to have loyal fans who love your product and will fucking fight teeth and nail to talk about your product. I've been seeing these fans that a lot of talk about these old racetracks like The Rock. I mean, you could add a Bristol in there, anything like that. I want to see, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be a couple. I don't really care about a number. Like some vintage racetracks, maybe come back and run a style just like he said, a late model sprint car, how they lined up. Qualify the day before, and then the day of, run a series of heat races, last chance qualifiers, and then have an A main event. That's just something small I think that NASCAR should do right now. I mean, the cars are worth a lot of money, so I mean, that's obvious that they have the money to do whatever they need to do, but I just think NASCAR needs to move in some sort of direction somewhere along the lines to just make it more entertaining as an overall because you are seeing uh, 190 laps of nonsense and then you're seeing actually 10% of what, you know, what people really want to see, so. Yeah, um, another thing, it, it's kind of the same principle they got to do something with the race cars, actually. Oh, they, yeah, for they sure. They need to make it where... They're so equal right now. Your top-tier teams, the cars, are so equal. Well, I, I like it. I like that they're equal, but... Oh, yeah, there's not... But on a super speedway, I mean, even inches at that rate of speed, it doesn't matter. I mean, the smallest mistakes costing you everything. Look at the cars, how they move on the track. I mean, they're glued to it. They're made to run wide well, open. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. I need them to get these things a little more on the... On the loose side? Yeah. I want to see drivers... Working the wheel. Working the wheel. Gotcha. And slinging the cars around, sliding around, uh, make it to where, you know, the guys who are good on their equipment, good on their tires and right, stuff like right. that, benefit. Yeah, or, want... if a guy just can wheel some bitch... Right. Take it to victory lane, hats off to him that day. Like we talked before, you watch a race, IROC, 95 to 2000, Winston 500, Daytona 500, 2000, 2001. The cars were four or five wide. You do see that occasionally, but there's just not a risk to take it now. I mean, the cars are different. I mean, sometimes, I mean, both guys have hands on the steering wheel, but, you know, it's just, these are pretty drivable cars, in my opinion. I mean, they're machined to an absolute T. Kyle Busch once got fined for a main bearing that was a cotton fiber too big. I mean, that's just a small... Microscopic. Man. Yeah, that's microscopic. I mean, what Jimmy Johnson did to Paul Bernard, you can argue that a million different ways, but at 200 miles an hour, there's just so much going on at once. It's really hard to tell with the car that they have now. Well, let me ask you this. This is kind of something pre-show we didn't really discuss, but it just kind of hit my mind. Did you like the tandem drafting back in like the early 2010s? Uh, where you, got, you locked in, just got your ass shoved. 
looking back at it now and you just asking me off the fly, I liked it on the short term. Long term, anything is boring well, to watch. I mean, but I, okay, I'll ask it a different way. Do you think the tandem drafting was better than kind of the follow the leader and uh, you need four or five cars to chain up to get another group going? You definitely need help. It's a known fact that at Daytona or any super speedway, it helps you. Okay, unless you're out front like we've seen, you know, like in Dale Jr.'s, the end of his tenure, you could get out front and just bounce back and forth. Right. You had no problem. Unless you got something on your front grill, you could sit out there and ride all day. But yeah. at Daytona or any other plate track, that typically doesn't happen. But do you like, on my question, though, do you like the tandem better than the, the arrow we got right now? Yeah, of course it's I, I like it. Yeah, I, I, I like it more than, it's just absolute crap what we have right now. But they know something. I'm kind of on a cliffhanger right now. Well, that's the thing. I don't so, want to be, and I don't think you do either. I don't want to be too critical on NASCAR no, right now because no. we haven't seen. There's a, no reason to be either. The 2019 package. Right. There's no absolute. Like I said, I could absolutely be fine with NASCAR staying the exact same way it is. I see no problems with it, but. Eh. But I think you and I are very much frustrated just because we do love the sport. We can. Right. We do want to see. My my personal, my personal opinion is just NASCAR has been in the research and development stage too long. They need to come out with a solid package and let the teams take care of the work. They don't need... I, uh, I kind of agree with you. I wish they would just stick to something and let the teams, you know, it's racing. You're going right. to have guys bend in the rules. That's fucking... That's, that's the racing, and racing. racing in any form. Exactly. But if you give the guys four or five years with the same rule package... Yeah, change it up every so develop, often. You know, let them develop something two, three years. I think that would that would benefit more than and you know, I got every out of other hand, year changing the rule package. And if I got out of hand too crazy, change, you know, then obviously deal with it on a case-by-case -case basis. All but, right. I mean, you just hit on something I want to get to, just off the top of my head. NASCAR did change a technical rule this year. Uh, Post-race inspection, they say we're going to have a defined winner 90 minutes after the car goes through final tech inspection. Of course, the last few years, anytime somebody got caught cheating or anything like that, they would still have to win. They'd call it the win was encumbered or whatever. Right. And they would lose some points and shit like that. This time, guess what? You get DQ'd. You get DQ'd the night of. It's kind of a... Uh, definitive answer to did he win, did my driver win, or whatever. Right. And everybody just moves up one red. I love it. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, well, they don't, I don't understand this. Do you like that rule, though? Uh, to be honest, I don't really care. I mean, I, uh, here's my thing. I like the post-inspection races. I don't want to see nobody blatantly cheating. I mean, there are gray areas of the, the rule book, you know. I have no problem with that. That's what makes the competition. I don't want to see no one blatantly cheat. For that matter, it shouldn't take you that long to figure it out anyway. That's plenty of enough time, sure. Let's roll with well, it. Well, it's, it's way fi quicker than finding out something that goes to These the cars end. are fuel injection, so I assume they have a computer of some sort located in them, and they can data log this stuff with real quick. I mean, it's just as simple as plugging it into a computer. Well, these are, so, all, these are all laser measured cars, too. Like, yeah, I mean... With the laser measurements, you know. 90 minutes is plenty enough time. I don't see why there should be a reason. I mean, that's plenty. That's works. Move on to the next problem that they have. Yeah. I, well, that's that's why I applaud NASCAR because. Yeah, they, they to took the, they took the right step. Yeah, to the layman, 90 minutes. You think, man, that's an awful long time, but 
there was, I mean, there was cases last year with Harvick when he had that weird thing with the back window slash top of the car. Right, I believe right. in California. Yeah. That that ruling didn't come down until like Wednesday or Thursday. Right. right. The following week after the race was ran. Yeah, and they have jigs that they use to check the cars no, before the race. Oh, it's laser yeah. now? Okay, See? so I mean, you this information could be found out. I mean, you technology can't fuck nowadays. Up laser, really. Yeah, technology nowadays. Like I said, these cars are basically plug and play. I mean, that's how you're, but it's a competitive. We're talking minuscule measurements. But like I said, computers run it, so it should not take them very long to figure out that kind of information. All right, let's, let's talk 500 now. 61st running of the Great American Race. Oh, yeah. Sunday. 2.30 Eastern times when the green flag drops on the field. Um, I guess, would you agree that Ford, as uh, a manufacturer, is the, the manufacturer to be going into the 500? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I, I kind of have a little change there in the middle because of that, but yeah, I'd say Ford's up there. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a manufacturer win debate, so. Well, see, I... I I think it is. I, if you go back to 16. They'll be bragging, of course, yeah. But. Like, you can't always rely on your teammates being right, in right. line with you. Right. Oh, but yeah, manufacturers, yeah. you saw in 2016 the great finish with Hamill winning at Truex there. There was a gaggle of Toyotas working together, and they kind of laid the blueprint. Ever since then, it seems like the Blue Oval and Ford has really, at the plate races, Dega and Daytona, They've really worked together. Now they're tough to beat. That didn't matter last year at the 500. Of course, Austin Dillon right. ends up taking home the Harley J Earl Trophy. So, but I think going into this, mm -hmm. I think you agree. You just said that. Ford, I think it's going to come down to what happens on the last 20 for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, here you know I said this the other night on the podcast, and I won't ever get out this opinion. There's going to be some key pieces as well I, that goes along with. I that. think the first. You know, probably 160, 170 laps are going to be relatively just riding around. Right. Like, working First on... First 5'10 are going to be decently exciting. You know, the opening, you know, it's, it's exciting to see. But, yeah. But you're going to have, you know, you're going to see some guys trying some stuff, I think, early in the race. Just to see what their car is capable of. They can get another lane moving here and there. Maybe towards the end of stage one or stage two, you're gonna see guys trying to make some moves, get a get another lane going. But relatively speaking, I think the big one happens after lap 160. It, I'm not saying there won't be a crash or somebody cut a tire and take out a couple cars, but it's plate racing. The big one, it's inevitable. It's just who's gonna be in it, when it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen in the last 40 laps of the race. So. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down to several factors. Where are the last, if there's a green flag pit stop, getting in and out of your pit box. That's going to be crucial. The spotting, sitting, figuring out where you're going to be in line, that's going to be very crucial. If there's a big one or a cop, which there's going to be a big one of some sort. I'm not saying it's going to be a bunch of cars involved in it. But it's going to matter. It's going to make the race. It's going to change the, how the race is going to factor out. I just think that's pretty much the biggest thing. Is If there's a pit stop that's involved in the end, it's getting in and out of your pit box. I don't think the strategy is going to matter, whether two, four tires. I don't think that's going to be a factor. But just getting in and out of pit road quick 
during a caution, that's where I think is going to be the key factor. Just getting a good spot to well, start. It seems like it's been a long time. I can't even tell you the last time I remember a Daytona 500 having a long green flag run to end the race. Right, yeah. So if we got one of those, that means fuel mileage could come into play. But, mm -hmm. you know, the way... They're going to get dicey out there. Something, I'd see something happening. They're going to get a caution somewhere. There's going to be a crash. So, I mean... But the way the stage racing is nowadays... Right. It's going to get dicey with 10 to go on the stage well, racing. Well, that's not... The point yeah. I'm making is, relatively speaking, you might have a few key contenders on different pit strategy and pit cycle, but with the stage racing, with the mandatory cautions, like, what, the fuel windows anywhere from 45 to 50 laps. So you do the math, that's a 200 lap race. It's probably going to be five or six pit stops, give or take. You're going to have two mandatory cautions with the stages, of course. So that's going to put the majority of the field on the same pit cycle. Not unless, you know, they go early in the stage to try to get that track position to start the next stage. But, you know, I kind of, I, I guess I'm saying a long way in the say that I agree with you that, you know. You're probably going to see the big one occur from seventh back. You want to be in that top tier of the front because you're seeing these wrecks where only a few people are getting away. Back in the day when you used to watch the 500, you would see people drive through these wrecks. I don't think you're seeing that as much now because the cars are glued to them two lines on that racetrack. They're like, it's like there's rails built all the way around there and that's what these cars are sticking to. I think it's crucial, very crucial, that with under 10 to go that you are sitting. I think the top five car, who's ever in, I'm saying they could switch back and forth a lot, but I'm saying who's ever in the top five under 10 to go has a shot. I don't think anybody coming from the back is going to do it. I just, I just well, don't now, see it. Now, well, here's the thing. I think Toyota, uh, getting back to like manufacturers, I think Toyota has the second best chance as a manufacturer to win the 500, just because they they have a strong piece, strong package. But Toyota seems to work together, not as good as the Fords, but better than the Chevys. I think if you're rooting for a Chevrolet driver, you just have to hope that. The Chevy teams figure out they gotta work together, man. Yeah, like, for sure. You, gotta, you, gotta have, you need help you gotta out daisy there. chain four or five Chevrolets together, regardless. And you if need it's, friends. If, if, if it's two friends. RCR cars and three hundred cars, not just one. Not just one help, man. I mean, the clash, watching the clash and the duels. I've learned for this five hundred, you're gonna need more than one person's help. You're gonna need to work together. But you saw guys like uh, Denny Hamlin. You saw guys like Chase Elliott. You saw guys like Paul yeah. Menard going to the inside. They're passing cars. They're just having a hard time getting the initial push. They're trying to get a break in the action. They're trying to get a break in the single file. They're, they're so, so out of the corner, they can tuck back into a yeah, single they're, file. They're looking to break up, sidetrack the car that's in line, break up that car, and then just ever so slightly finesse their way into that hole and make up one Yeah, because I was watching Denny Hamlin, man, uh, Chase Elliott, they were passing three, four cars at a time going into the corner. They had no problem going into the corner. It's just straight stretches. That's why I think being up front is going to be essential. If you start in the fifth spot, it's already been shown in the last two races here in 2019 that you can pass four cars going into the corner. So I think that's why having a spot inside the top seven spots, I don't think any, maybe 10th, 
uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be crucial for this car that you have right now. You need to be with, if under 10 to go. You need to be seventh or ahead. I don't think you'll have enough push, and you're going. You might need a little help. There's going to be people all over the place, so you're just going to have to see how it unfolds, basically. But you're going to have to be top 10, seventh or better, to have a shot at it. I think. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think you're coming from the back nowhere unless you're, a big something not, crazy you're not happens. See, uh, you're not going to see a Dale Earnhardt 18th to the win and. Oh, yeah, I just, I don't say that. Right, yeah. I just don't say that. Well, no, it's just, it's not the, it's not that type of car anymore. Right. But everybody keeps saying, though, how's come these cars ain't passing? How's come these cars ain't passing? But all of a sudden, on the last lap, these cars have no problems passing. That's why I'm at this cliffhanger point on what's going on right now. You gotta wait and see. Just be patient about it, because they're changing the package. We don't know what it's gonna be yet. Let's just see how it unfolds. Well, we, yeah, we're not going to see it this race. You're not going to see it this race. You, you don't have to wait on it. But we're just talking about for right now, sake, just based on what I see with the package that's been used. Uh, that's. Well, it, I mean, it is hard to pass cars, though, because you're picking off one at a time. But I would argue, like, but back it, to, it shouldn't be fucking easy to pass cars, though. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, absolutely not. You've got to work for the spots for on cars. the track. Yeah. You gotta, absolutely. Absolutely 100% agree with that. It's just... That's the thing about it as a Daytona. That's the wild factor about it. Just you're always going to see something crazy about it. But just with these cars, as I see them, based on them, what I've seen, just my eyes telling me, that's what you're going to need to do to win this race. I think it's going to take someone that's turned a lot of laps at Daytona to win a race. I don't think you're going to see a first-time winner. Okay. Well, we have we do have some heavy hitters starting in the rear, but I at a plate race, 500 miles, I don't think where you start the race really matters a, a lick really so you know brad's coming from the back um i think i think larson who might be a factor starting in the back so you're gonna have some guys coming from the back but i you yeah. know i can't it doesn't can't, matter beginning of the race i can't disagree with you saying um that you need to be in a in in a good position to win the race uh, being up front late in the race, you know, like I said, it's kind of, you know, this race to me, the perfect sentence for it, it's calm before the storm. Exactly. No doubt about it. All right, let's go to some of the gambling odds. Joey, Brad Keselowski is the favorite, plus 700. Joey Logano, plus 825. Kevin Harvick, plus 850. And Kyle Busch, plus 1200. Your uh, front four runners there out of those guys now don't pick your winner yet but okay. out of those four this could help with DraftKings lineups by the way too so we'll just kind of combo these up these are going to be your top salaries on DraftKings as well if you're playing daily daily fantasy shit but out of Kislowski, Logano, Harvick, Kyle Busch pick one of those four I'm gonna have to go with Kislowski plus 700 on that dude addle for sure He's been right. making, making a bunch of moves. I see he's going to be your big hitter, winner, gambler, risk taker. I see him being that person. And he's on a Ford, so that's going to be Fast car. Fast car. All right, the next four. Plus 1,300 for Eric Almirola. Also Chase Elliott and Clint Boyer and Denny Hamlin. So all four of those guys at plus 1,300. Now, you know, Elliott, Hamlin, Boyer, they're going to have high salaries. Almirola. That's going to be my pick for Daily Fantasy. You're going to get him at an affordable price. And uh, plus 1300 of course, he got so close, got wrecked going into turn three last year. Could have won the Daytona 500. So watch out for the 10 car. 
little redemption. That could be a fun storyline to watch. And if he wins, that'd be cool. Because he's he's underrated. Yeah, he is. Uh, but Almirola, I just wish he wouldn't have that such PG kind of softy factor to him. I wish he was a little bit more aggressive than he is. But well, I, he might this year. He, yeah, he might exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's been he's been a reputable in the ten yeah. car for Stuart Haas, so I'm not going to doubt his abilities any. All right, the next line of uh, odds. I'm not giving the whole field, just the guys I see uh, as main contenders slash big names. Kurt Busch is at plus 1,500. So is Mark Truex Jr. Uh, Jimmy Johnson plus 1,800. And Daniel Suarez is plus 2,200 in the Stuart Haas 41. Um, all those guys will kind of be in the high to mid-range in a DraftKings lineup. So if we're setting a Team Podcock PCAST lineup, we got Brad... And Almirola so far. I might play this lineup, by the way. But all these next four, Kurt, Truex, Jimmy, Suarez, Joe, pick a, pick a guy there. Uh, I'm going to take Kurt Busch. Right. I want to take Kurt Busch on that one. Uh, just experience. He's, take... he's won this race before, so no exactly. doubt about it. Uh, he's not afraid to uh, at least try something. That's, what, that's kind of what gets on my nerves about plate racing. like Especially in these sort of, you know, the exhibition, clash or the duels, I know you don't want to tear your equipment up, but like you gotta try to see if something will work. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a win recent win as well in this package kind of car setup that you have now. A, a little modifications, tweaks that go with it, but he's got a recent. Oh, he seventeen. He won. Yeah, the right. Yeah. Exactly. He's got a win in a, basically this car, so he's got a win in this package. He knows what it takes. So. All right, the next gaggle cars. You're gonna find these guys mid to low salaries, but here's the odds from Vegas. Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, both at plus 2,500. Alex Bowman, plus 2,600. Jim McMurray, maybe his last cup race ever. He's not a full-time driver, but shout out to Ganassi for giving him a ride for the, uh, for the um, 500. He's plus 2,800. Um, I'm actually going to take Jones there. I'm a Larson fan, but for our combined, last, or our combined DraftKings lineup, uh, in the four spot, we're going to take that Jones boy. Toyota, Gibbs car, he's in good equipment. He won last race at Daytona, actually. Got his first cup win in the uh, Pepsi 400 or whatever the fuck the sponsor is now. Coke Zero 400, I think. So uh, I'm going to take Jones there. Then the last uh, line of odds here, Austin Dillon, defending champ, plus 3,500. Ryan Newman, he's in the six. He's on a Ford, uh, plus 4,400. William Byron also plus 4,400 at the Pole Center. Bubba Wallace Jr., last year's second place winner at plus 4,500. And I'll, I didn't write his odds down. Stenhouse, I, that's a fuck up on my part. Stenhouse is going to be strong. Joey out of Dylan, Newman, Byron, Wallace Jr., or Stenhouse. Pick our. Uh, well, out of that first one there, I would also agree with him. I'm, I would take Eric Jones. Uh, he's proven before that uh, he can run on the plate series. He can definitely do it. Uh, Larson just seems to me like he gets aggressive at tracks like that. Just something always happens. God, I love Larson. I like watching him in a sprint car. Hell yeah, brother. But the thing is, on them super speedways, he gets just fucking... Bad luck. It's bad snake luck. Bit. Yep. Yeah, snake bit. He gets too aggressive sometimes. Like... Sometimes his sprint car crap just translates too well to NASCAR and he gets antsy just real quick. I, that might be it. I don't know. Jones has won a, a plate race before, so I would definitely take him. Uh, the last group with this car, William Byron, he's ran up front. So uh, I he would take strong on the dual lap. Yeah, I yeah. would take him at plus 4,400. Yeah. So 
our uh, DraftKings lineup and our gambling advice, Brad, Almarola, Kurt Busch, Jones, uh, Byron, and I think, you know, not the, I'm not, this ain't a joke, by the way. I think either take, you know, because you're probably going to need a guy on DraftKings with, you know, with that kind of lineup. You're going to need, like, a guy in the 5000 maybe low to mid $6,000 range. How about Michael McDowell Matt B. D. Benedetto? Both these guys seem to finish high yep. at a plate race. They just luck into it. Yep. For sure, for that sure. That could be the last pick, like a dark horse. They stay clean, stay out of the way the whole race. People get agitated in the middle. They're running the back at this time. They could stay off the pack with five to go. Big Rick, they're contenders, automatic contenders. All right. Now, I wrote down some numbers. See uh, if you have any other names to uh, that you can think of. Here's the true contenders to me. In the Ford camp, I got Brad, Keselowski, Joe Logano, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Paul Menard, Clint Boyer, and Almirola, and I forgot to add Stenhouse, but Stenhouse is in that mix. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Fords. Anybody you can think of that, that list that can really win this race, honestly. Oh, uh, yeah. There's one name that's not in there, but I don't want to say it because it's my pick for the race. A Ford guy? No. All right. Toyotas. Kyle Busch in the 18, Denny Hamlin in the 11, basically Gibbs, uh, Truex in the 19, and Jones in the 20. Anybody outside the Gibbs camp in a Toyota that you can think can win it? Because there's not a major Toyota no, team out there. No. I, the, I got the Gibbs cars there then. And then the Chevys, I got the 9, Chase Elliott, the 1 of Kurt Busch, Larson, just because I'm a homer a little bit, in the 42. He's got an absolute chance, though. I Jimmy. Mean, He's been there, done that in the 48, and you can't keep Austin Dillon off the list. He won the fucking race. He's last been year. there. He knows what he's been there. He's been up front. So I mean, experience matters at Daytona. So, but I didn't put Bowman. I didn't put Byron out of the Chevy camp. No, I, I think it, it I takes way more than that to win the 500. I mean, sometimes you're going to see luck. Every 25 years, you're going to see luck. But just over time, history shows you that guys win Daytona know what they're doing to win Daytona. Well, hell, you can even know what you're doing. It took Daryl Waltrip 17 years to win it finally. Right, right. It took Dale Earnhardt 20. Yeah. It's, it's just like Indy. You know, it's up there. But those guys are also run consistently well, well on yeah. those tracks. I mean, uh, my, yeah, it took them a while to get a win, but, you know, sh that's what the thing about Daytona, man. It just, my larger point, or the point I'm making is you can put yourself, have great equipment, put yourself in the position to get the job done. And it's the, like life. Sometimes your time comes, and sometimes it don't. I think Daytona, it's one of those races that you put so much into it, and... It could just rip your heart out. Or it could be elation like last year at Austin. And I, I think that's going to be the thing with the 500 this year. I'm kind of on a cliffhanger just because the clash and the duels, I mean, yeah, they're, they're races to watch. Hell, yeah, the Daytona 500 is just around the corner, but it's not going to be nothing like it. I mean, they're just out there running those races. A lot of them, you got two sides of the field. you got the young bucks that are all being conservative, just trying to get a ride, baby, just trying to make it there. And then you got the other side of the fence, the seasoned vets, these guys have ran laps at Daytona. They've ran multiple series at Daytona. They know what it takes to get this race done. Right. All right. It's time. It's time. I pick, okay, it's my podcast. I have my right 
to reserve to change my pick, my official pick the other night when we picked the winner. I took the nine to Chase Elliott. Um, you know, he got hot last year, late in the year. It was really the only Chevy that was, uh, you know, worth a damn. But as strong as Ford has shown itself in all the practices and in the clash and in the duels, I can't take anybody that isn't in a blue oval. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to take number 12, Ryan Blaney, Ohio oh, boy. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. The Buckeye Bullet son, shout out Dave Blaney. The lowrider, Dale Blaney, shout out him. That's his nephew. Ryan Blaney gets it done for Penske, takes the number 12 to victory lane. That's my pick, Joey. I've thought about this. I went back and forth between a couple drivers because I was just like, man, I was like, this car hasn't been here too awful long. Like, it's had some minor changes to it, and at Daytona, man, this stuff matters. People do not understand what is going on at those speeds. It is ludicrous. It's crazy. Just to think for one second, the engineering time, everything that goes into this race can just be splattered by somebody getting an inch out of line. That's all it takes to ruin your day at Daytona. This car hasn't been around very long, so I'm going to pick somebody who's won in this package already. This guy has always had a chip on his shoulder. I've liked him as a racer, and for that reason, I am taking that Chip Ganassi number one Chevy Camaro, Kurt Busch, to win the Daytona 500. Just because he's been there in that car before, he has the mentality to run. Now, as long as he keeps his nose clean, stays out of the big one, does what he needs to do, I don't think the crew chief and stuff like that there's crew chief switches around and things like that but man it's just going to take a steel set of balls and if he stays clean kurt bush will once again win the 500. all right there you go that's the daytona 500 proper preview podcast but you know how we do on the podcast because we take a break and we either come back with a random segment or we close the show out so we'll do that we'll probably talk about french fries or something right hell yeah Alright, we're back, final segment. Um We said we were gonna talk about French fries and then the LA Times happened happened to uh gift us a uh segment. Some fuck from LA gave a uh, what a top nineteen? Yep. Top nineteen top nineteen list of fast food franchise French fries. Now they graded on a scale of uh, obviously, taste, best the worst, and also texture was another factor. Uh, worst texture, the best texture. Joe, you got the list. Uh, I absolutely do. All right, go with the go with the bottom like five first. Uh, at number nineteen, I've actually had this. I've ate here before. Uh, it is In and Out Burgers French fries. See, I've never been to the West Coast. Uh, I used to uh, drive over the road semi truck. Been to California several times. Drove obviously clear across country multiple times. Nothing to brag about. Yeah, In and Out Burger, What a Burger, they're about the same. I mean, it's just. I guess that's their thing out there. All right. Yeah, I don't have an opinion. Next, coming in at number 18, which this doesn't surprise me either. Sonic, their fries are. Pretty much always soggy. Tastes like they came out of the microwave. Here's my thing. If you get a Sonic, why are you not getting fucking tots? Exactly, yeah. I always get, yeah. I always get tots when I go to Sonic. I, hard, tots I are rarely on order french fries. Who the fuck gets fries at Sonic? I maybe eat Sonic twice a year, so yeah. I'm just... Coming in at number 17, and this one pisses me off so bad because this is the... Un- this is... I cannot believe this is even here. Number 17 is Rally's. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm... Uh, 
what the f- absolute fuck? That is just ridiculous. That's why. That's why you get your credit, LA. That's why California gets such a bad rep because California soft. Rallies should definitely be top five for champion. It's a championship contender. Like there's no. Yeah. Not to mention this, the combination that you could get rallies fries is. Uh, what about if you? Uh, ridiculous. Like the fries on their own, rallies are. Oh, they're great. Tremendous. Yeah, they're great. But if by you get themselves. a fucking, you get the cheesy bacon loaded fries with sour cream, oh, nacho my cheese, God. bacon. Oh God. That's almost better than sex. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just absolutely crazy. Why rallies is seventeen, number sixteen, never heard of the place called Jubilee. Yeah, move on. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Never in my life. Me neither. Fifteen's uh, the same way. Wiener Schnitzel. That's a hot, uh, that's a hot dog place. I've never ate one there. Yeah, on. never heard of it in my life. Uh, number fourteen, I have ate at this place, but never had their French fries that I recall. Popeyes chicken is number fourteen on the list. I've had Popeyes, but never ate the fries, so no opinion. Uh, number 13, I have ate here before, but like I said, it's been some time since I've ate here. Jack in the Box, number 13. Uh, Chick-fil-A fry, pretty similar. Uh, them restaurants kind of remind me they're somewhat the same okay. as, far as, as far as the fries I've go. I've never ate at a Jack in the Box either. Uh, well, this is kind of a different one, so I don't really have an opinion on this one, but they are good. Uh, KFC's... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a wedge. Yeah, that's my whole thought on it. It's kind of its own category. It's a potato wedge. Yeah. It's not really a French fry, so I I like them. I mean, yeah, so it yeah. depends on the location too, because sometimes they're dry, just way too much starch and potatoes. So yeah, gotta have ketchup to eat. But that that should be disqualified from the list because technically it's not a French fry. Uh, this one right here, number eleven, is also underrated in my opinion because I've ate here several times. Huge fan, Chick Fil A. Oh yeah. The waffle fries. Oh yeah. Uh, for some reason. Here's what you do: you get, if you're going to Chick Fil A. Spicy sandwich, spicy oh, yeah. nuggets, exactly. Yep. I feel and then you. get the fucking yeah. large waffle fry. Yep. That's that's the go-to. Yeah, that, that's definitely underrated. Chick-fil-A waffle fries should definitely that's be. That's eleventh. Yeah, it's eleventh. Uh, this one, this is why LA gets their credit. This is why everybody makes fun of California. This is why it's a good place to visit, but nobody likes you outside of that. Number ten is Burger King. <laughs> Burger King should not even be on this list. And don't get me wrong, I love Burger King's menu selection, but their fries are absolute garbage. Their sides are awful. Their onion rings suck. Oh, God. Well, not unless they're on the radio. If they're on the radio, burger, absolutely. But Burger King, (laughs) your fries are just absolute junk. I mean, you're just menu options are a lot better. Here's a a racing reference. Uh, Hey, Burger King, uh, put your fries on the trailer. Thanks for your Thanks for your entry. Yeah, Burger King, your fries should not even be on that list. You need to change them back to the that's old way, t- by the way. That's 10? Yikes. Uh, number 9, uh, I've never heard of uh, Shake Shack. I, I, there was a Shake Shack around our area a long time ago. I don't know if it's the same place no, or not. No. Same chain of restaurant. Kind of reminds me of like Brazier. Shake Shack? I don't, I don't Brazier know. food, if you eat there, you're getting sick. Yeah, I've never ate Shake Shack, but uh, the people who have ate Shake Shack... They always compare it to uh, In-N-Out, Whataburger, Five Guys. Kind of like an upscale gourmet burger. I don't know what the fries are like, so, but no opinion. Uh, number eight on the list. Uh, I kind of have mixed feelings. Uh, number eight on the list is Wendy's. I love Wendy's. I, don't, I love Wendy's fries. I think they're absolute top five, but it's also a location thing. you got to get to the right place because some of them it just seems like they're a lot more saltier than the other ones. And very, very inconsistent. Yeah, very but inconsistent. Also, I wonder, did they factor in 
dunking the Wendy's fries into a frosty in this list because I feel like if they did, Wendy's is a top five candidate. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of one of those personal things with the frosty, so yeah. it just goes hand in hand. Number seven, this is kind of like Burger King to me. I, how this is number seven on the list is just they must have totally different restaurants than we do around our part. Uh, just number seven on the list is Dairy Queen. Oh my. It's basically a microwave and a, a freezer. That's pretty much what Dairy Queen's kitchen is. It's I, like a couple high-powered microwaves and a freezer. I feel like if you go to your local, whether it be a Kroger or whatever, and get like the Kroger, or if you go to Walmart and get like great value shoestring fries and dump a bunch of fucking salt on it, and you cook them like in the microwave, you're gonna have Dairy Queen fries at home. Not like, a fan. Of, not a fan of Brazier foods. Just never have been. Like the ice cream, that's pretty much what. Stay in your lane. The chicken basket used to be alright. Yeah. But now they, they, yeah. they fucking spray on the goddamn butter on the bread. And yeah. the toast ain't even generic. cooked. Generic. Yeah, generic. Yeah, okay. Moving on. Number six on the list. Uh, this is kind of a similar. Carl's Jr. I think that's kind that's of like. Hardy's. Yeah, that's hardy. Same thing. But the, it kind of reminds me of like a bigger version of the Wendy's fries without the sea salt. Yeah, okay. okay. Just, they use a different type of oil, I believe. It's been a million years since I've ate a Hardee's. Yeah, just... But I like Hardee's when I went there. Definitely, LA, your list here, just... All the restaurants, we all have them, so, I mean, yeah, just... Some of these are just absolute atrocious. Number five on the list is Arby's. Oh, the home of, home of the curly fry. I... You know what? I like that. I, yeah. That, that, that's the proper... Like, proper spot for the Arby's. If, if Arby's five. was seven, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I'm, I'm kind of glad Arby's is in the top five. Yeah, I like. It's like one of those things. Like, I like them when they're fresh and hot. And like the first couple, the big, long, stringy, circular ones. Oh man, those are good. But you get so many crumbs at the yeah. bottom. For halfway down the box, they're like overcooked. They're short. They're not very spirally. They're not very curly. So the, the second half of the box yeah, or is you usually get, or just Or you trash. get like the, the smush, like... That's why number five is an appropriate spot, I feel. Yeah. I mean... Overall, Arby's is a pretty good, good, pretty good spot to eat, though. Oh, God. This is a, this restaurant here is causing a lot of commotion in our area as we speak because uh, apparently nobody's ever heard of it before. But number four uh, is steak and shake fries. And if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, these are the shoestring fries, right? Oh, yeah. They're the skinny ones. Not Just not, now, not a fan. Now, I will say this. Not a fan. I, Love their burgers. Not a fan. I will say this about steak and shake real quick. I, I know this list is based on what is served to you. You just have no knowledge of the restaurant. You're getting the fry. But if you go Cajun Fry at Steak and Shake, now we're talking. Yeah, they have a. Uh, but that's that's like that's a that's like a performance enhancing drug for an athlete. They have a white barbecue sauce yeah. at Steak and Shake. Yeah. And if you get the Cajun fries, it's phenomenal. It's great, absolutely. But their fries just by themselves without any extra. Uh, they're too high. Don't get me wrong. Just let uh, me ask you this. Not a big fan. Let me ask you this: If you go to Steak and Shake and I give you like eight bucks to eat all you can eat because it's cheap as fuck uh are you more inclined to just take up two steak burgers or are you going to get a combo because i'm i'm, I'm in the taking camp the fresca the, meld the burgers just yeah i'm taking the two burgers if i gave you eight bucks or whatever i'll, I'll just house two burgers like the fries are an afterthought i feel like that's an overrated uh fry right there yeah 
Uh, number three on the list. Uh, this is definitely a West Coast LA thing. Uh, never ate here before. Del Taco. Um, I when I seen this on the list, I thought it was actually Sun Taco, which is actually like one of the worst recorded restaurants ever. It's out west too. It's out in California, LA area somewhere, but it's been rated the worst restaurant. It's not Del Taco, but uh, still Sun Taco. They have chips as well, but it's horrible. I got a point so, about. I got a point about Del Taco. I got a point on Del Taco. I've never ate at a Del Taco, but you t you give me a taco place and tell me they have French fries, I'm not gonna try them. I'm just not. If it's a fucking taco place, just your 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 carbohydrate, your starch product. I want all your efforts put into the delivery system. I could give a fuck about a side. Yeah. So give me a good tortilla. Or wrap, whatever you want to call it. Just put all your effort there. So fuck off, Del Taco. Yeah, it's uh, out of uh, Southern California as well. Yeah, so that's for for fucking place probably. These lists are incredibly biased. Number two, we would all agree. This uh, this should be the one. Yeah, this should be the one in my opinion. But number two is McDonald's. Dude, how? The but golden it, the golden French you fry. You know why McDonald's is the best? McDonald's has the best french fries of any fast food place yeah, and I, I defy you to name a better fountain coca-cola than mcdonald's mcdonald's does they have good fountain coke pops for sure and that's over an overall location you're pretty much getting the same yes uh, some restaurants yeah they reheat the fries don't go to smithers west virginia yeah do that. not go to smithers west virginia mcdonald's sorry mcdonald's but man you got a location that's in the foothills of west virginia on the way to a sprint car race, we made the sad mistake of stopping there, and it was the worst experience. We still talk about it. It's been 10 years, but we still talk about it to this day, how horrible it was. That and uh, shout out to the Rusty Wallace Miller Genuine Draft uh, bottle seat cushions that saved our ass on the way home. Yeah, I had a piece of junk Saturn at the time. Not a good car to take a seven, eight-hour road trip in. So Also, uh, if you're going to, a little quick tip before you get the number one, uh, if you're going to go to Bulls Gap from Ohio, uh, make sure you have at least one person smart enough to operate a GPS, unlike us two idiots, who uh, somehow avoided all the toll roads, and it took us like an additional probably, hmm, what, three hours? Three hours to get to the racetrack because we would run on 77 and then drive like 25 miles through like two or three different BFE, West Virginia. Mining towns. So, yeah, that was fun. It was a good trip, though. Bad oh, yeah. Uh, that's why we still talk about it. Just hilarious. Hilarious and sad at the same time, yeah. if you feel me. Hey, but that makes memories. And uh, what we got for number one here? Number one, uh, some people may have had this or not. Uh, I'd agree with this just for one reason, just because the level that they hook you up. Number one well, is Five Guys Burgers and Fries. You want to know what Five Guys is? The, when they... they I mean, you pay a, a premium price for fast food at Five Guys, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Sure. But they hook you guys, up on a massive here, level. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a sports analogy for you. Five Guys is like Carmelo Anthony when it comes to giving you fries. Yeah, They're oh, gonna yeah. fucking put it up, dude. They're oh, putting yeah. the ball. Volume. They're putting the volume. Volume up. shooter. Like Harden. Harden. Harden now. Harden going Harden mellow on you. Yep. That's Five Guys. I mean, you have to eat them right away because they turn quickly. And also, they're going to be sitting in your lap because they just fucking stay at the bottom of the sack. They fill the you whole damn the, bag up. I you mean, can see crazy. grease, and it's going to fall through onto they your They don't lap. have, like, a holder. Like, most of these restaurants you go to, you kind of question. Like, is there really a difference between the small and the medium fry? 
Like, yeah, some, a, a, lot, a lot of restaurants I go to, they're like that. There's no difference between the two. I mean, but at Five Guys, they just, like, we're not throwing these away. So, I mean, we yeah, ain't got nobody here. that's ordered any yet. So, here, we're just going to give you five pounds of french fries. So, I mean, that's the credit I give them. I wouldn't put them number one. I just No, no, McDonald's, to me, is the one. Uh, for sure, definitely. I would agree I, 100 okay, on that. Okay, real quick. Let's do our, like, Mount Rushmore top four. Uh, I'm going McDonald's one. I'm going Rally's fries two. I'll go Chick-fil-A, Waffle Fries three and four. You know what? Wendy's with the Frosty, but it has to be with the Frosty. I would agree. Number one, McDonald's. I mean, it just fantastic they got this cheesy bacon fry oh, yeah, now yeah, yeah. those are delicious as well number two i would go with the windy dog on that i'd go with wendy's on that one just, yep. i like the sea salt fries they're great uh number three i would go with rallies just because it's one of them things that i don't get a lot right. like the rallies to me is kind of uh 45 minutes to an hour away it just depends on how fast you want to go so i mean they'd be like a number three uh Number four, I would definitely go with the Chick-fil-A waffle fry. I'm a huge, humongous fan of the waffle fry. There's these fast food chains, just maybe try something. Even yep. if it's just a promotion or something, waffle fries sell. They're, anyway, it don't matter. Plain, Cajun, spicy, whatever. They work great. Um, and like I said before, I don't really have a chain restaurant number five. Man, Larry's Doghouse. Cajun fries, man. They local are the spot. they're the local spot. Larry's Doghouse Cajun fries are where it's at. Yeah, if you're ever in if you're ever in Athens, Ohio, Google it. Find Larry's. Go there. Uh, I would also add get a uh, get a shake there. Butter butterscotch milk. I, I like man. the I like the peanut butter milkshake, but I've had the butterscotch. It's good too. So shout out Larry's. Uh, if you want to sponsor the show, uh, hit me up. But anyway. Joe, we talked fries. We talked a shit ton of Daytona 500. Uh, dude, thanks for fucking hell yeah. Thanks for really. riding around, and we just decided to record usually what we talk about anyway. So that's what we did. So uh, you're welcome anytime you want to come back. I'm sure I'll have you back on, talk some more racing at some point. And, There's uh, some big events coming up this year, yeah. a lot of big events. And we're, me and him go do a lot of races together, uh, so you know dirt but that's real racing so anyway uh for front row joe this is the only tyler peacock for the podcock pcast saying rate review subscribe follow the show on twitter at podcock pcast and uh so long everybody <laughs>